Shalom, everybody. This is Dr. Dina Dye with Returning to Eden and my famous partner in crime, Jeff Morton. Here, I'm here. I'm, I'm having to call in tonight because we're having, we're having some of those um, modern-day technical glitches. Um, yeah, there's, there's ions floating around that are doing weird things. <laughs> like, for example, Dina, your, my video camera keeps flashing in and off. Uh-huh. I feel like I feel like I'm watching late night TV. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, we are here. Returning to Eden is here, and we're going to go ahead and uh, just deal with the technical issues. And Dean, I hope your day was a little better than mine. Yeah, I'm not actually sure what to make of my day. <laughs> a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You know, I've been furiously trying to work on my book. In between that, I have to do book work for our businesses and. Then I've got to go out and walk because I can't handle it, it you know. So it was, a, it was kind of a mishmash day. Well, before we get into the program, I want to just kind of make our audience aware of something that has that's been uh, really choking on my heart. Dean, I haven't talked to you about this, but Daniel Hagman, she is a 30-year-old mother, and uh, she was uh, she was uh, she went out. There was a car accident out in front of her house driving down the road and there was a car accident in front of her uh, she got out to help and in the process lost both of her legs because another car came up alongside and ran into her so this is just one of those tragedies that that you hear about often and unfortunately I know the father uh, Stephen and he has a go yeah. yes he has a GoFundMe page um, you and I both know when these kinds of things happen, there's a process to get going, but sometimes we, we need help now. We need people to help now, and uh, they need help now. She's, uh, it's just a tragedy. She's, she's a mother, and she has lost both of her legs as she was trying to help someone. And if you go to my Facebook page, uh, I put a link on there for the GoFundMe page, but her name is Daniel Hagman. Uh, it's a medical fund, and they need help. And so if those of you, I am in a place right now where I I can't do anything, but as soon as I can, we will. Um, but please, if you if you can help, please help. Uh, just go to my Facebook page or go to GoFundMe. Look up Daniel Hagman, Danielle Hagman Medical Fund, or just Facebook page. I, I'm going to promote this need uh, daily. So uh, if, for the audience that's listening, please, uh, if you can help out, help out. There's also a news story I posted on my on my uh, Facebook page. Uh, this all happened April the 23rd. The, the media is involved. You know, it's just a tragedy. And please pray for her, her family, and uh, certainly Stephen and yeah. his family. So. Yeah, I anyway. I saw that yesterday. Or was it? I I saw it yesterday on uh, the news feed. So I saw they had the GoFundMe account. I was able to to help out. So uh, we just want to really encourage people. This is the kind of thing where the body of Messiah needs to get behind yeah. and really help support, because none of us can do any of this all by ourselves. Right. And right. Uh, we need one another. And and this is really an opportunity. And you know sometimes I worry a little bit because you know here we are digging dissecting the Bible and we want it to be relevant to our life I don't want to be lost in sort of this world of scholarship and not have you know have a life here and be able to help and communicate with people and I've been thinking a lot about the, the context here because 
you know, the kingdom of heaven is on earth. And then you see events like that and you just scratch your head and go, you know, God, what are you doing? And, you know, the way we respond and how we help and, and as the family goes through it, that's what we're showing to the world. We don't abandon someone like that, that we're, that we're there to help to build the kingdom and show those outside the kingdom, yes, it does function and this is how it functions. Yes, and, you know, for those of us who, who you know, I've lost a dear friend this week, um, Flo, someone I interviewed, she uh, just uh, all of a sudden, so it's been it's been a difficult week, but this story here just tugs at the heart. I mean, yeah. a 30-year-old woman, in a nanosecond, she's now lost both of her legs, and she has a family, right. and children, and so please help. And I, I agree with you, Dina, 100%. Folks, I believe this in the core of everything in me. If the body does absolutely nothing, then absolutely nothing gets done by the body. And so I encourage you to go to the GoFundMe page. As soon as my, I've got a buck twenty-one in the bank right now. Life is a little strange for us right now, but as soon as we are able to, we will help out, guaranteed. So, and maybe you guys will do the same. But anyway, back to our show, and the show has to go on. That's kind of how we we do things. So uh, we have a lot of people that are curious about why we're doing what we're doing. And Dina, we're going to be talking about. Um, uh, journey to the center. <laughs> journey so to the center of the earth. Yeah, I just yes. haphazardly picked that. Well, I'm I'm trying. We're we're picking up where we left off a few weeks ago, or more than a few. I don't even remember how long ago. And I'm pretty sure, since we didn't remember, that most of our listening audience probably didn't remember either. So we might, you know, cover a, a, a bit of the similar material. But the, but it, it struck me, so, you know, I'm writing this book and I'm trying to lay out the foundation that we can build on. And so when I was looking at when God created the cosmic house, he created it in three spheres, right? So we have heaven, earth, and sea. And I realized the, the problem with us is everything, we look at everything in a linear way. So everything's on a timeline linearly. But yet, God's design is actually vertically. <laughs> so, heaven, earth, and sea. And the sphere that's in the center of heaven and sea is the earth. Right. And then if you take the earth and we look at the pattern of Eden, we have Eden, the garden, and the field. And the center of that space is the garden. And then we get into the garden, and the center of the garden is the trees. And so this right. is a real. I made me realize that you know, in this pattern of three, that should be a, a vertical picture. The place God put us is in its center, and He put Himself in the center with us. We don't even think, you know, we don't live in the seas, and we don't live in heaven. We live on Earth. Earth is what He created for mankind to serve. It's the place where we serve, and it's the place that He chose to put His name and to dwell among us. So every everything kind of goes back to whenever we have these spheres is is the center. Do you want to comment? Well, you I know we're getting getting there, but you you mentioned uh, a few weeks back about the Axis Mundi, yeah. and I thought, well, that's going to throw people into the New Age thought pattern. But really, the root of that word is what we're talking about. Why don't you go ahead and explain a little bit more on that? 
Well, it's just, it, it, axis is it's what we've been talking about, this sort of vertical axis. And Monday just means world. Um, French Monday is, is also the world. And so it's the idea of the center of the world, or we could say the center of the universe. I mean, he has placed mankind in the center of his universe to function and serve uh, his kingdom. And he didn't do he didn't leave us there alone like okay now I'm here what do I do he he constantly tells us how he dwells in the midst of them and so he is he is in the midst of the universe with us um, guiding us directing us leading us in all these ways so that we can have a relationship with him so it's the trees and that we find this a lot in the ancient Near East world that trees were this because they're vertical they were this connection point between the earth and heaven so the trees uh, the temple the mountains uh, pillars monuments all kinds of stuff that stands up was the same principle what we what you're talking about the axis Monday is the center of the world and the ultimate, of course, the mountains represent that. So we look at the mountain, and instead of, again, looking at a linear thing, we're looking at a vertical thing. So at the top of the mountain was Eden, and the halfway down was the garden, and at the, at the bottom would have been where the folks were, the field. But we are supposed to serve as priests in the garden. But, of course, because of Adam violating the commandments, he is, you know, exiled, if you will, out of the garden. And so the whole of the story of creation and beyond is the return of his people back to the garden. Well, now, Dina, um, I'm curious because I was thinking of the Mishkan pattern as you were talking, and we're not too far-fetched from that. When we're, when we're dealing with the, with the reality of how they saw the world, they wouldn't necessarily say, oh, yeah, that's the Mishkan pattern, or that's the Axis Monday. They would have seen it as a... Um, I, I don't, I hate the word religion, but they would have seen it as the gods and how the gods have constructed everything. The difference being with the Hebrew God is monotheistic. But they would have seen it as this is the God way everything is done. Right. And it's very important that our audience understand we're trying to communicate in the way that they would have seen it. And that's something that's critical in order to understand it. Dina, I'm curious, too, some of your source material. I mean, as you study this, I'm looking at all kinds of stuff trying to... <laughs> there's, just not, there's not a lot of material out here about this subject matter in terms of um, just the reality of the world that they lived in. You know, you can't, you can't find much of anything unless it has a religious connotation. And that's not really what we're talking about here. Well, what... And, and that is true. I mean, you see that with the Christian scholars and certainly in Judaism. What I try to do is take the, the information that they're presenting and look at it in a new way. So, for, uh, for instance, I really like uh, G.K. Beale. He's uh, really a great scholar in temple areas, but, of course, he has his bias and his filter. But I, I find I'm, I'm just able to overlook that and, and say, okay, what is, what is he trying to communicate here without, you know, looking at where his religious position is? But there are, we have a lot of great scholars that have, I mean, Walton, of course, 
that have done yeoman's work in in uh, looking at the ancient Near East world and then making the comparisons, contrasting and comparing between the ancient Near East and, and between Israel. Um, you know, sometimes you just have to hold your nose <laughs> when, you know, when, when stuff comes up. I mean, you know, I just keep pressing on. So in, in the book, I'm trying to present it in a rather neutral way without giving it sort of that religious component. Um, but it, it's a challenge, no question, because the last three or four hundred years, even the last fifteen hundred, have been in that sort of religious structure. So it's a challenge. And, and what I'm finding out as I take this journey with you, that different words in, in the ancient world, like trees and mountains and gardens and fields, they would have seen that most of that as a kind of temple language right. in that right. context. They would have, they, if you were talking about a temple, then they would have used words like trees and pillars and all of these different things to, to talk about the Axis Monday. They would have seen it all as relevant, whereas we're trying to decode it, so to speak. Right, right. Well, and okay. the key to, the, key to the, the center space, so if we took the, the garden pattern, and I know people don't realize this, but the garden and Eden are two separate spheres. Right. And so, you know, the, the Eden represented the place of God's throne, which we call heaven, and the garden represented the place, the Holy of Holies in the temple, where the priests served the three pieces of furniture. And then the field would have been outside, you know, in the altar area. So the, the place where everything converges, the place where heaven and earth meet and overlap is in that center space, is in the garden. So consider Adam being sent forth out of the garden. This is a huge deal. He is removed from the place where he's supposed to serve to bring heaven and earth together. And that's why we have our second Adam who would come. And in his body, heaven and earth would, would meet. I know these, this is difficult for people to understand, but that is the, the bottom line meaning of a temple, is to be the center point in which heaven and earth converge. And that is a description, again, of the kingdom. This is why Yeshua used so much garden language. All the, you know, Not all of them, but many of the parables relate to gardening activity and you think about he was you know buried in the tomb and who did they think he was when he resurrected they thought the he gardener. was the gardener you know right. that's not in there for no reason because this is that that it, this is this picture is keep is repeated over and over again that, that God is calling us to back to the garden and of course when Yeshua resurrected from the dead that kingdom is now here present on earth but right. going back to it's an overlapping kingdom. So we got, you know, the outside the garden thing where everything like we see that's happened to Danielle is happening. But then overlapping that is this kingdom on earth. Like people just can't get that in their mind. It's on earth. It's not in space. It's here now present amongst us. I really want to speak to that because I've been saying for a long time now I feel like I'm watching everything take place in the world with the kingdom of God being built all around us. And uh, my, of course, the way I simplify everything is, is that we're like this little puddle of vomit in the king's house. 
but we're still in the king's house and all the activity of the kingdom is going on all around us. He just hasn't cleaned up the vomit yet. That's kind of how I relate to it when you say... Hey, how graphic. A, well, I, that's just Jeff. That's the New York in me, folks. But I, I see the kingdom of God all around us, and I see mankind oblivious to the fact that we're kind of... We're, it's interlapping, and we don't recognize it. Right. So I, I see... I live in the place of the kingdom because I see it. So people always ask me, what's the source of your joy? Well, I can see beyond the vomit, right? Because all of that's going on too, right? Well, think okay, about so. now. I mentioned you know the trees being in the center of the garden. It's that they were the place. You know, if we're really pinpointing it, where heaven and earth came come together. So think about that story. Um, I can't. It's Matthew 14, I think. But so there's this guy, and he's blind, and Yeshua comes along, and and he. I think it's at Bethsaida. And they go outside the town, and of course he wants to be healed. And what does Yeshua do? He spits in his eyes. <laughs> right. And now he can see. And what is it that he sees? Like it's one the of the kingdom. most bizarre. He sees trees walking. Do you remember that? Oh, yes. I, you know, I was going to look it up, actually. It's Matthew yeah, I think 14. It's, I, I think it's Matthew right. 14. So this guy sees trees walking, and we're all like, okay, well, he's having some kind of hallucination or whatever. But what, what he's seeing is the manifestation of the kingdom because it's garden language where tre the trees were in the garden. That is what he's seeing. Trees represented people, in particular kings, and he is seeing the kingdom of heaven in operation. That's the thing. That's the sight he was given. I mean, he may well have given you know, real sight, but he was also seeing into the kingdom of heaven because the kingdom of heaven is described in scripture over and over again in garden language. Did you find it? I'm not seeing it right away. I'm well, not, I could be wrong. In the wrong chapter. <laughs> uh, it sounded good. Been, yeah, but we're old. <laughs> I can't remember scripture if my life depended on me unless, unless it's some of my favorite ones. But... Uh, no, I'm not finding it. So it's kind of difficult, folks, to look up scriptures in 30 minutes, especially when you don't know what you're talking about. And I don't know what I'm talking about every time I go to look up a scripture. I can't remember where it was uh, that I saw it. But anyway, uh, Dina, your point is, uh, did I lose everybody? No, I'm here. Uh, okay, because my screen just went blank. <laughs> folks, tonight <laughs> is a different night because of the technical issues. I could not get my audio to work, so I had to call in. So if I sound like I'm in the Netherlands, it's probably because I'm on my phone and my my computer keeps flashing in and out. But anyway, back to what we're talking about. Dina, I um the the trees when you talk about the trees, there was a tree in the garden that they weren't supposed to eat from. Why did Moses use that vernacular? Why did he use that terminology? I, do you know what I mean? Why is he talking about trees, a tree in the garden? In well, the midst because of the garden? in the ancient world, the king, you know, he had his sphere, he had his palace, but the main uh, attribute of the king's complex was a garden. And it's not a garden like growing, you know, string beans. It was a garden that was filled with trees. The, 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 king, the kings in the ancient world were noted for their horticultural um, prowess. Yeah, they and stole so from the, the other uh, 
kingdom. Yeah. Well, you think of they the did. hanging gardens of Babylon. Yes. Like that's classic language. So the king's garden was where he did his horticultural thing. So the garden was always connected to the king's residence in the well, ancient even world. Now, we can we can use England and all of the kingly estates they put over there. They all had these elaborate gardens, and those got to be, the root story to all those gardens has to be uh, something that that's familiar because that's what we're talking about. Right. Um, you but can't the thing go is, to England or Scotland and not see a great big giant beautiful garden around some ancient building. But it wasn't just see. Again, we think of the flowers and all that stuff. But in the ancient world, it was the trees. The trees were what made the garden. Mm. And so this is just this carryover of the garden is is basically think of God as king. He's got his throne room in Eden. And now he has this, this his garden that's attached to his residence. And so right. it's, you know, there were other trees. There, I, I submit that the two trees represented thrones. But there were other trees, and then trees in Scripture came to represent people, and it was associated with the kingdom. So it's not surprising that he would use that picture, because that was very common. Yes. And we're talking about Moses. Moses would have right. used that language because that was the language that they all understood a kingdom by. I mean, right. this is so easy to understand, it's, but you have to have the mindset to go back and look at the world as it was, not the way we we see things now. Because, In fact, Dina, you could even go so far as to say the whole concept of a garden comes from this. Yes. The kingdom of God, the, the whole concept of any garden comes from the king and his place. Right, right. And again, I so, want to emphasize that the garden and the trees were the place where heaven and earth met. So now, I mean, we could take this a step further and think about Yeshua hanging on the tree. That was that right. vertical connection between heaven and earth. So in his body, hanging on the tree, which what represented the temple, was the place of the unity of heaven and earth. It's profound. Yeah, that's that's actually quite amazing. Yeah. So now, if for people who go and read the book of Daniel, um, especially Daniel chapter 3, I believe, is where the description of King Nebuchadnezzar is, and it describes him as this tree that grows up and gets big and fills the Daniel. entire earth because he was identified with the tree. His kingdom, his dynasty, and his throne were identified with the tree. And th That's again, Daniel three seventeen. I actually I knew that verse. Okay. Believe it or not, I knew one. <laughs> but that's Daniel three seventeen, and you're right. Um, uh, the tree that you saw grow large and strong, whose top reached to heaven. This is what we're talking about. Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah so I see, any of those types of things, we're all we're all communicating the same thing. So now think about when the children of Israel left Egypt and entered the wilderness. So there's these spheres, so they're, it's, it's like they left the seas, <laughs> you know, to enter the wilderness, and what went with them were these two pillars of cloud by day and fire by night. And the pillars were between, you know, Egypt and the people, representing, because the people were moving into the place where heaven and earth met, and they were at that entry point into that sphere in the, in the middle, if you know what I mean, as they went through the sea. 
And that was the place where God was. Right. And even in, if you read Exodus 15, you'll see in the Song of Moshe, it's talking about building a house for God in the context of land, dry land appearing out of the sea. That dry land where the sea was, was the, the intermediary place where, you know, the lower level and the higher level met <laughs> in, in the sea, if you, if you see what I mean. Every, that's what I'm trying to get to is that everything is like this. And it's not, it's not language or, or principles that we really understand. But the, the center is key. And that's, that's where the kingdom dwells. And so we've got, I think we need to remember that just in our walk on earth, that he has placed us in the center of all this uh, to walk in the kingdom, even though you know there's all this other awful stuff going on. We are still in the kingdom. Right, and you know, I we've got uh, just about four minutes left to the program, and we're going to pick this up. We're going to really hone in on this. Uh, we've got uh, a couple pages of notes even now that we haven't even touched. But uh, for some of the people that have that have asked questions, I know Dina, you've you've answered a question. I've answered a question. Uh, there's people out here that are following this and getting it. Yeah. And uh, you know, I. I got to tell you, folks. I, I never would have thought I would have had a conversation about temple language, and the way that Moses was writing was based on temple language when he started writing the Book of Genesis. Uh, it's a whole nother concept, a whole nother way to see the scriptures. But we're still talking about the presence of God in the earth, and then the desecration that occurred. Yes. We're, we're 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 leading up to all of that conversation. But keep in mind that when we say the Garden of Eden, we're talking about Adam being appointed as a high priest and placed into a position whereby he was in the presence of God in the temple. Yeah. Well, and, and we take this one step further. Why do you think the Bible always is referring to Israel in tree language? That's yep. the tree that we're supposed to be grafted into. Because they are the tree, they are the place that represents the center point between heaven and earth as priests. And, and also, the place of the authority of the kingdom of God is already in the earth, folks. Do you understand yep. that? It's already here. The yes. resurrection of Israel is proof positive that the kingdom of God is under construction and being restored to what it was supposed to be in the garden. The picture of Israel being a nation again is qualifying all of that. that yep. I keep telling people that the rebirth of the nation of Israel is as big as the Exodus. It's as big as the flood of Noah. It's as big as the creation story in itself, but we don't see it. Right, right. And so, you know, and of course, Yeshua's resurrection made it all possible. We can't forget that, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, Amen. That, and it's from, it's from that point, from, from the place of his resurrection, in which everything spread out to the four corners, as it was supposed to with Adam. God, in a sense, had to shoo Adam out of the garden in order for him to spread seed to the four corners of the earth. Cause he, he wasn't going well. <laughs> you know, that just reminded me of the verse where it says, um, when it talks about the weeds. Uh -huh. I think it's in Thessalonians, uh, I'm not sure, but it talks about the weeds, and it says uh, they'll be bundled up and thrown in the fire. Oh, yeah, Matthew gathered up, yeah. 
but Adam spread the weeds yeah. as a result of his desecration of the temple. Yeah. And so we're living in the weeds, folks. We really are truly living in the weeds, but the garden is all around us. The weeds can't grow if there's not a garden. Right. Well, we are yeah. we're the message to the world that God is real, that Messiah has been resurrected, that there is a kingdom, and that kingdom is being spread. I mean, without us, that it's just not it's not happening. And so we we really have a responsibility within it to maintain order and stability in the world. We're the ones that are going to do that. No one else. You know, it's interesting as we close out the show. Moses was writing prior to all of the theological and philosophical writers of Paul's day. Right. So he's Plato actually very Homer and yeah. yeah. He's the genuine article about explaining all of this to us. Right. Dina, that's our show. Yeah. We're done. Okay. We survived. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, folks, maybe next week I won't have to talk to you through the phone, and we won't have the kind of uh, interruptions that we have. But anyway, we really appreciate you joining us. Please check out Worship and Word Radio. We're not the only thing that the... The station is doing and, and donate and help out and keep us on the air. We really appreciate it. That's all I got, Dina. Okay. Shalom. Shalom, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you, Scott.